For those of you who came out to uh, hear the new Beer Opinions podcast, thank you. For the rest of you, I apologize. <laughs> Okay, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another uh, episode of the Beer Opinions Podcast. My name is Pat Berger from Patty Long's and Kaiser Tiger. All right. Yeah. Oh, thank you, thank you. <laughs> and with me, as always, is uh, Bruce White of the Chicago Land Beer Tours. Bruce, how are you doing? Doing well, doing well. Want to thank our live audience. Thank you guys so much for coming out. Today. Very special episode. All right. Taped live in front of a studio audience, yeah. just like an 80s sitcom. What could go wrong? Everything. Everything <laughs> already has. <laughs> uh, we have a little different uh, format since it's live and everything, and we want to do something special. So, Bruce, I'm going to let you take over uh, and uh, be a moderator on what we'll call uh, an industry roundtable. I just stole that from Chris Quinn. <laughs> nice. <laughs> nice. Pat, do you want to do the... Sue me, Quinn. Do you want to do the introductions? I think maybe... I can do that. Okay. Uh, so with us are two past guests, uh, both returning for, uh, uh, for tonight's special live edition. Uh, Adam Vaverick of the One-Off Hospitality Group, buyer and beer director yeah. for the Publicking Restaurants. Hello. I made your title much longer than it probably is. And uh, uh, Gary Valentine of the Boca Group, we're uh, still not sure what he does. There. <laughs> Even a shorter title. And we love him. So, yeah. Uh, Bruce, let's, over let's, to you. Let's take it away. You know, and um, for those, I thought we'd just kind of get into it in a real soft, uh, soft level. I know you guys have been past guests, but in case people here uh, aren't aware, or people listening at home, uh, if you could just do a brief introduction of what got you into craft beer and uh, what kind of started your passion. Uh, so, Gary, I'll start with you. That's okay. Uh, got into beer because of my little brother. Okay. Um, emphasized by, by Pat, other people in the industry in Chicago that do what he does. Uh, ended up being a student at Siebel, uh, working in hospitality for a long-ass time, started to focus on beer, uh, now I work with several groups around the country doing beer buying. That's awesome. uh, but it all started because of people like Adam and Patrick. Yeah, awesome. Well, I don't know about that, but we'll, we'll accept that answer, Gary. Right. Mm. <laughs> uh, Many people before us. So I'm the beer director for the Publican brand and uh, ostensibly all of one-off hospitality for whatever they need beer-wise. Uh, I got my start accidentally in the beer industry. Uh, I'm ex-audio industry, and uh, when I quit that, I didn't really know what to do, and I met a friend who was homebrewing, and I was like, wow, cool, you can homebrew. So I started homebrewing, and the beer was pretty decent, and I got picked up by an old institution, uh, Sam's Wines and Spirits, uh, here in Chicago, and worked for them for a really long time till Benny's bought us, and then it just kind of coalesced. Uh, and now I just, I, I'm basically just paid to be me at this point, buying beer, Installing doorknobs, yeah, good fun. <laughs> a man of many hats, yeah, 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 as it yeah. were. Um, well, awesome. Well, thank you guys again for coming on. And I guess the first question is presented to all three of you, um, since you're all kind of have had or have similar roles, and that you're really responsible 
for what people are drinking at particular venues, um, at particular times. And I guess the first question is, you know, what is your kind of thought process when you're choosing a beer selection? Primarily draft, but it could be anything. Um, you know, what goes into that process? How do you think through it? You want to start? Or I'll, uh, I'll lead that off. Um, clean, consistent product. Price point, of course, comes into play, but also having having a local person in the market that I'm helping to support because end of day, I bring in a keg of beer, I bring in a case of beer. I, I hope that, you know, 10 cents, 50 cents, a dollar, a couple bucks go to help to pay their pay their rent, pay for their dog's food money, pay for their kids, whatever, this, that, and the other. So having, having that local representation combined with, um, with a product that's amazing, that goes a long way for me. Awesome. Uh, for my part, you know, I like to I like to live in the world of um, a balanced list in which there's something for anybody that walks into whichever establishment it may, it may be, uh, and that means whether it's name recognition or something that I'd be comfortable somebody ordering blind or how you know be comfortable somebody selling. There's there's always something for someone. Um, you know, in a, in a situation like the airport uh, publican, you know, the list is not necessarily any more or less pedestrian than, say, downtown publican, which is established as a beer bar. But, you know, at both places, you're going to find a really nice drinkable Pilsner, an IPA if you're into hoppy stuff, a sour thing if you're into sour stuff, something malty if you don't like any of those things, and everything in between. Um, and that, that's, that's how I like to do it. And obviously, you know, price is somewhat of consideration. I, you know, I really don't care. I'll just, I'll charge what I think the beer is worth. Um, uh, and and uh, quality is, is definitely of the utmost. I, I'm, I'm very particular about what I do bring in. But at the end of the day, it's balance, you know, and that's, that's the most important thing for me. Sure. How about you, Pat? Uh, yeah, I mean, I would reiterate a lot of what... Uh, Gary and Adam said, uh, balance is important. Um, you know, just having, knowing that, that that draft list isn't for your personal consumption, you know? I mean, if mine was, uh, it would be a lot, a lot of loggers, really, you know? But it, it isn't. It's for everyone, and you got to have, have a little something for everyone. You also, you know, you're a beer bar, so you want that esoteric beer. You want stuff that's going to set you apart from the other bars. Uh, I also want classic beers on there you know i also want uh, well-established breweries and balancing those two can also be you know it's it's it, 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 when you put a list in front of somebody and it's 20 beers they've never had before in their life they don't know where to start you know um i like to have a few beers they've never had before in their lives you have to have those i think if you want to be if you want to attract uh, uh the, the the connoisseurs but um you know, I also like to have world classics. So it's it's a constant balance, balancing act, it, it balancing it, it, not just styles, but all you know, all the rest of it as well. Has the kind of the rise in craft beer? Um, I I don't know how many individual craft beers out, but I know I read years ago that there were thirty thousand individual craft beers. Obviously, you can't oh, it's get them way more than it's that. It's way now. more than that, and and, <laughs> yeah. and you can't. Not every market is going to be accessible to all of those. But I imagine, have you found that the rise in craft beer has presented a real challenge for you, or? You um, I'll I'll piggyback what Adam said. Um, it's very easy for me. I've got at one of the restaurants. I've got approximately thirty beers total. 
not all in draft, but it's very easy for me to put one amazing Pilsner on, one amazing IPA on. Sure. And um, there, there's so much amazing product in market. How do we pick and choose and say, hey, we're going to support this, support that? Because end of day, our walk-in coolers, we get open more restaurants every day of the week. We still won't have enough cooler space for all the places that have opened in the last year. We, we've, the, the United States has doubled alone. This is not including other countries. Has doubled in brewery capacity over the past, uh, under last decade. Yeah. Um, and we've got over 6,000 breweries in the U.S. right now. There were, there were 3,000 yeah. five years ago. Is that accurate? Yeah, I, yeah. I, I checked. I actually looked at the numbers uh, yeah. earlier today. It's like 6,300 <laughs> now, right? Yeah, it's, it, it is of July 31st, it was <laughs> 6,655. Um, and that compares to 1,574 in 2008. So in 10 years, yeah. it's gone from 1,500 to 6,500. And, and that yeah. easy for me is what actually what Adam exactly said is, I mean, the menus that I helped to curate are, are simply, you know, here's the IPA, here's the Pilsner. It, it's a balanced menu because how many times do you go to a place and, and they have amazing, amazing lineups, but I'm more restaurant-focused, and I'm not beer-focused like Adam is. Be- Adam runs beer-focused restaurants. I run restaurants. And, like, to take, a, take someone's front-of-house time and say, hey, here's the difference between five different IPAs, that takes a lot of time. And that's your time sitting at that table. Sure. Yeah, I, I will say, you know, one of the challenges 10 years ago was you had to chase things down, you know. There were, there were less producers producing less beer, therefore more people fighting over things. And you spent a lot of time, you know. I mean, I used to have, I, I had a, a delivery schedule based on when certain breweries were released, you know, sent their kegs to the warehouse. You know, we still de- we still get deliveries on Thursdays at Patty Long's because three Floyds hit the warehouse at, at Glunn's on Wednesday. You know, and so also to, to piggyback that, we're talking about a brewery that ten years ago there were sixteen cares of a kegs of a certain amazing beer that came to market per week. Right. So everyone's fighting over things. I don't think that's the case anymore. Now the people fighting are the salesmen. Yeah. Back then, you you had to know what you were buying in order to ask for it. You had to know what to ask for. Right. Uh, yeah. Now, now there's, there's just a glut of, of things out there. Uh, for my part, you know, I've been, I've been pushing really heavily on uh, imports for almost the entirety of my career, um, going back to retail in which I ran, you know, one of the largest, if not the largest, uh, selections, you know, around. And what I've found is that as much as I've enjoyed watching the craft beer continue to boom and, and so on, it's actually kind of hurt and helped the import business. And I've sort of doubled down on the import business because of that. The beers that we're getting now, they've had to, they've had to cut their orders that they're sending over. You know, they're, they're now eating a lot more cost on shipping. Uh, they're partnering up with other breweries and other, other uh, exporters and so on from, from Europe. Uh, uh, and the like in order to get beer over here to satisfy the accounts that they do have and they're not really we can still cuss right on the live one yeah. fucking not, right yeah, yeah. They're, they're not Fuck really yeah. fucking around with with <coughs> trying to be the cool ones anymore they're just trying to kind of tread water and in uh, you know as, as shitty as it sounds 
I kind of like that because the beer that I'm getting now from these producers is fresher than it's ever been. Sure. I mean, I you know I, I stomped on I stomped a little bit on our on our our Hefeweizen partner because they sent me you know some 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 product that was I didn't think was fresh enough, and they were immediately like, "Cool, we've got another you know boat coming across the water. You'll have it." And the date code on it it was kegged I think a month and a month and four days ago or something dumb like that. And so that's the freshest German Hefeweizen you're going to find in the market. Yeah. And to me, I find that really interesting because this whole craft beer thing was kicked off by people's travels, going and experiencing these different flavors and, uh, and, and beer styles in the areas where they can get them as fresh as possible. And now with, with all the, you know, American brewers fighting over the next hazy IPA, you know, suddenly Hefeweizens are shining like they've never had. You know, they're fresher than they've ever been. And, and they, I think that's really cool. They've had to be competitive and kind of adjust. I, uh, they had to adjust their business to the market, which yeah, I feel like yeah. we'll get into later, too. I, yeah. I think that shows <laughs> how, how the business has become more evolved as the, as the breweries have developed over time. And, and folks that, are, that might have breweries out of market are saying, hey, we've got to freaking get this product fresh as we can into market for the buyers to taste and to enjoy, and we also gotta, we gotta get it in front of them because the buyers are now more educated than ever. Yeah. And, you know, Adam was more educated than, well, anyone with off-premise sales in Chicago, you know, for a very long freaking time. You know what's funny is when I, when I joined the on-premise, I think the first person to actually reach out and not just say something like congrats was Pat. He goes, he goes, Prepare to say no a lot. <laughs> yeah, and I, and I said, what? I say no all the time. He's like, no, you fucking don't. Yeah, <laughs> I've, seen that. I've seen that selection. Well, you yeah. never have to say yeah, yeah, no. Yeah. <laughs> well, when, when you made that shift from off-premise to on, your, yeah. your, your cooler space went from... It was, you know, it was drastic. It was, uh, it was a yeah. humbling. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, from a showroom into a freaking box, and, it, you know, and that's something we say m- more than ever now is no. Yeah. Uh, and no yeah. to beer that I love and would love to pour, but uh, I only have so many taps and I only move so much beer, you know, and it's got to stay fresh and it's got to be buried. And if the six best beers I taste on uh, buying day are all IPAs, I'm not buying six IPAs. I'm sorry, you know. Yeah, I, I, uh, I, 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 I would absolutely love it if Adam would put Mort Sabit on draft <laughs> at uh, Publican to, so to, I can walk up there every day and drink that. <laughs> to, uh, to, to jump in on that real quick uh, as well, I don't think that a lot of the, the newer craft breweries have really figured out how to be solid businesses yet. And I mean, we saw that with the first wave of craft brewers, you know, watching, you know, Half Acre trying to figure out how to do their first samplings and, you know, switching from their lager into, you know, the, the rest of what they produce now and uh, uh, and everybody else kind of just like learning the market. Um, the newest wave of craft brewers, I think, are all expecting to just be able to, you know, hit home runs. And it, there's it, more often than not, I get somebody that'll, you know, I'm not easy to get a hold of. Somebody, somebody will be like, I'm going to come in with beer to sample. What do you want me to bring? And I always say, bring your three best. And the last time I did that, somebody brought in 12 beers. And <laughs> I haven't bought a single thing from them because, like, they're all fine, There's, but nothing, nothing blew me away. And, you know, I only had that 10 minutes to taste that week anyway. Yeah. All of that got lost in the shuffle. You know, you've got to be able to present 
you know, do your homework. Look at the look at the restaurant. Look at Patty Long's beer list. Look at Kaiser Tiger's beer list. Look at Girl and the Goat's beer list. Look at Publican's beer list. Look at any beer list and say, okay, what's the concept here? What do I have that fits that? And is it top of the line? And and I think that's that's something that's sorely missing in the the rep world and and in the sales world in general. And Adam just brought up two things that are, if I may, totally separate areas, but they both hit home. One, he's talking about the business aspect. So knowing knowing your business model, knowing how to, you know, what what are you what are you what are you aiming to do? What the fuck are you gonna make? Like make that beer, do it consistent, clean, do it well, but also presentation. Um, I deal with the same thing. I Adam and I, I text you too, Pat. Like yeah. guess what? I just had a guy drop off ten samples. Yeah. I'm just looking for this one star right now. He just wasted a lot of product. A lot of his time, all he'd do is text me. I would I would more than happily meet him with with Pat or with Adam down the street. We can taste together, and maybe it maybe it's a fit somewhere. Maybe not, but I'm saving time and a lot of beer. Um, so I, the the business. Any any reps listening, you can still bring me ten samples. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm still cool with that, and I'll taste them all. Uh, you know. <laughs> um, I think it's interesting that you brought that up because we do we do all talk to each other as buyers, and I mean, you guys aren't the only buyers I talk to. Pat, you and I went on a trip <gasps> together out you to. You lied uh, to me. Sorry, uh, Pat. Pat, you and I went on a trip together to uh, to a local brewery out in the Burbs. And, we did, and, yeah, and yeah. tasted beer together. Yeah, and, you know, Gary and I will literally text each other and be like, <laughs> "Hey, there's a rep over here. You should either wrap their car in plastic or taste their beer." Or suggest putting gin in it or whatever Gary's been drinking that day. And, uh, <laughs> it's true. But, it, but, it, but we, we do all keep in contact. So, you know, I guess for all the reps that are listening, uh, we do talk to each other, too. And, and we're here to save everyone time and energy. Yeah. We do want the best for everyone. But it's tough. Yeah. How, how do you guys feel pressure to chase trends? Um, or or not really. Uh, I'll answer for Pat. <laughs> Pat there, there are people that create the trends. Sure, it's that simple. Um, well, I'm not responsible for any of the current ones. <laughs> <laughs> glitter beer, isn't that you? Uh, that wasn't me. Uh, uh, what beer? Uh, you know, uh, <laughs> glitter. I was, ta- I was talking glitter about dance glitter moves. beer. Gl- oh, glitter beer. Glitter yeah, beer. Yeah, you, yeah. you know the glitter beer. <laughs> yeah. Glitter beer has 16 handles at Kaiser Tiger right now. <laughs> Well, you know, I, I I will actually say that um, I occasionally chase a trend, and um, you know, the, the again, the bar is not my living room, and I do have I, I'm a I, I'm in the hospitality business, and I believe in giving people what they want, and um, it, you know, it's it, it's a fine line between like having a hard line in the sand, like I'm not going to pour. Uh, you know this style of beer for me anymore. Like I, I, I've done it a few times and uh, I've relented. And um, you will find some hazy Northeast IPAs at my bars, <laughs> and they move like wildfire. Um, so you know I can't say that I, you know, don't chase a trend here and there. Now I wait until they're overwhelming trends that I just can't ignore. Like this Northeast IPA thing, and uh, you know, 
I was definitely not the first person pouring that fucking style. But, um, you know, I, I, I will relent to what the people want after they bang me over the head with it for, I don't know. How, how long was it, Callie? Months, right? Yeah, my beer buyer from Kaiser Tiger, Callie Roach, is here. And, uh, yeah, Callie. And she now has one line of hazy beer that she can't keep freaking kegs on. So, um, you know. I, can I expand on that a little bit? Sure. Absolutely. So with what, what Patrick does, I mean, it's definitely, you know, beer bar focused. Sure. With what Adam does, his programs are curated very beer focused restaurants. With the restaurants that I manage, we're not beer focused. So that being said, as far as me following a trend... Yeah, what I do is going to piggyback what these guys do. Sure, you're going to be a little um, later. I yeah. honestly, not well. Yeah, yeah, you can't get too esoteric. All right. I, if I was chasing Adam's coattails every day, I, you know, his Prius would be running out of battery a lot. <laughs> I don't have a Prius. You got a Prius? He's got a Prius. I don't. It's not a Prius. <laughs> it's a Honda Fit. <laughs> Looks like a Prius. I know. <laughs> uh, for my for my part, I I've kind of had to acquiesce a little bit uh, and eat a little bit of humble pie. Uh, you know, one of the restaurants we have, I came out with this huge beer program, and people just don't want to drink beer there, and so I've had to manipulate the program into a little bit more average consumer friendly focused. Uh, program. I mean, there's still very good beer on. I mean, I have best examples of that kind of, those styles are on. I do have a hazy IPA on there. I have the classic Michigan summer wheat beer on tap over there. And, you know, I, you know, stuff that I wouldn't necessarily put on at Publican, I have on. And it's... What is the Michigan style wheat? Oberon. It's like the quintessential... Oh, I've heard of it. It's yeah. delicious. It's, it's the quintessential, That's you know, damn fine beer. Midwest summer beer. It's great. Uh, it's I you know I don't necessarily think it's 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 it doesn't feel like publican to me, and and I think that's where where I run into issues with the whole following trends. If it doesn't feel like what I think it should feel like for that area, if it doesn't fit into that box, nine times out of the ten uh, out of ten I won't bring it in. There are exceptions to that, um, mostly due to my own little proclivities. I just brought in a hazy IPA. Uh, from a, a New York producer that just sent, just brought it, came into the market, but I only did it because it was a Buffalo Bill reference, you know, like Buffalo Bill from Silence of the Lambs. You so, just used a won't fit in the box reference. Yeah, um, that's a basket. That's where the lotion so goes. The out. box is a basket. Box the, is seven. The lotion. That's that's one of okay. Paltrow's head okay. seven. Spoiler alert. Um, <laughs> <laughs> came out like 14 years ago. Anyway. Uh, so, but 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 either way, you know, occasionally I will put on things like that. I don't let the hype run me, but I'm also cognizant of the fact that, you know, I, it's, I'm not the arbiter of taste, and if somebody wants to come in and have a hazy IPA while, you know, doing the thing, well, then, you know, more power to them. I'd like them to have a good time. Okay. Awesome. Well, thank you guys. I think, um, you know, we've addressed some of the beer buying. We might come back to it, but I kind of want to move on. I know that, kind of want to get to the more beer opinions part of the podcast, and this is a topic that... Pat is really, uh, really keyed in on here. Um, and so uh, this is, uh, it, it, I'm just going to go right into this. Okay. Uh, because, um, so uh, 
you guys obviously are in in touch with the beer scene in addition to just in addition not to to being beer buyers and into running those programs um, Governor Rauner just signed House Bill, oh, I've printed this out to look smart, which I'm not, uh, 4897 into law, which allows tap rooms now to serve um, beer from uh, guest breweries, basically, and also ciders as well. Um, we've talked a lot on this podcast on how the rise in tap rooms um, has maybe presents a threat to traditional bar business, and we've had Michael Roper on in particular, who has really discussed this. I guess I kind of want to raise this issue and see what you think about this trend and how this plays out uh, in your mind. Well, it didn't just add the ability for a tap room to carry carry guest beer uh, and cider. It also allowed for an off-site warehouse uh, uh, and warehousing of up to 930,000 gallons. Uh, so almost the entire production of a class two brewer's license, if I remember correctly. I have all this written down, um, which is fairly uncontroversial uh, because everybody runs out of room. It's fine. Um, it expands how many uh, satellite tap rooms a class one or class two brewer can have. Um, and it's, I don't know, and you guys will be able to speak to this a little better than I, uh, but I don't know how that affects uh brew pubs and breweries that share licenses. So in other words, brew pubs can, can also hold a class one license and vice versa. Uh, and that now means that, I believe that now means that those class one brewers licenses are able to uh, have taproom satellites. So what this essentially boils down to is breweries now have the ability to open up a bar and serve their beer, other people's beer, and cider. Uh, and Arguably, they're a tied house in a way, which is somewhat of an end run around the three-tier system that I think we're all in agreement needs to get its comeuppance anyway, but it, it's, it seems like it's ripe for exploitation, uh, and I think it's going to change the business. So that, that's, I'm just clarifying the bill now before we get into the meat of everything Yeah, no, else. thank you. Um, you, this, you. This, is, this is the point where I say, you know, Guardians of the Galaxy type shit, and I'm like... I didn't bring a Hulk. I brought an Adam Vavrick because <laughs> he literally yeah. memorized yeah. the same yeah. the stuff that I've been looking at the last couple of days. I I want the best for everyone. I really do. Um, this this changes the ball game for a lot of people. I positive in so many ways for so many people, but also it it really it if you own a beer bar. Where are you going with this? Yeah. Well, it, 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 yeah. So, you know, let me try to break it down a little bit into lay terms because there's a lot going on here. It's very confusing. And a lot of people don't understand why anyone would have a problem with a lot of this because we all love breweries and we all love tap rooms. I do. Uh, and I also love brew pubs, and I, I used to run uh, a couple brew pubs. Um, there is a distinct difference in Illinois between a brew pub and a tap room. And the reason, there's a lot of reasons for that. A brew pub is essentially a bar that can, uh, th that makes its own beer. Other than that, it has a liquor license, uh, can sell liquor, can sell wine. Uh, can you know is subject to the same zoning and the same rules that any bar or restaurant is subject to, 
It also cannot self-distribute because the intention of a brew pub is really to be a brewer, a, a, a pub that serves its own beer. It's not to be a production brewery. Um, so, yeah, and food too, right? Yes. yes. Brew pubs yes. can do food. Yeah. Brew pubs can do yeah. can buy from other wholesalers. Well, they can but, serve wine. Yes. They can serve spirits. They're, but tap rooms can serve food too. Right. Right. But I'm just def- we're yeah. talking brew pubs. Just defining brew yeah. pubs. Brew it's a special retailers to, license. Yeah. I just right. pulled up my notes for that in case we need to actually define it for anybody. Cool. So. And we all, I think we all understand the traditional brew pub concept. It's kind of what spurred uh, the whole craft beer revolution in the 80s and 90s. Uh, and then tap rooms are something different. They are it, the intention of a tap room. At first, it was like, look, you're a big brewery or you're a mid-sized brewery or whatever. You're a production brewery. Uh, you cannot do anything except sell your beer to a retailer, and that's it. And then they said, well, wait a minute. Yeah, Gary. Are we focusing on Chicagoland? Yes, I only know Chicago. So that that being said, we will be talking about pretty much tavern license. No, taproom. He's talking about uh, a taproom addition to production facilities, e.g. Revolution's taproom or or whatever. So are we we talking about food production as well as production of liquid and selling liquid? Not yet. But we're not talking about food. No, not yet. So so brew pub first, brew pub food, other people's beer, cider, liquor, whatever. And that's there's so many areas. Each each, each license is specifically defined by the Liquor Commission. Right. so we're right. talking about tap rooms, which are in class one or class two facilities that uh, can serve their beer to retail directly to the consumer. And the class two goes up to how many barrels annually? Uh, I think 120,000? Class two can go up to 120,000 barrels nice. annually. That is nice. great. Nice. <laughs> yes. Out of wrote it down, I remember I was... So, <laughs> so, so as the, you were saying, the yeah, tap rooms were an addition on to say, hey, yeah, I've got this cool production brewery I'd like to sell to right, you know, I'm the going, guy down the street. I'm going to a brewery, and I want to actually be able to buy some beer to take home, or I want to be able to, uh, after my tour, have a pint of beer. Uh, it makes sense, right? You and, know, and uh, can, you should be able to have a tap room where people can do that. Breweries can educate on their beers as well. Yes. Yeah. Right. So they drafted the tap room law, and that's exactly what went on. You could only serve in your tap room beer that was made on those premises. Yes. And nothing else, no wine, no liquor, uh, no one else's beer. And not even your own beer if it was being made at a different production and facility. And this was up Correct. until 48 hours ago. Yeah, just about. Well, this was up until well, about the, two years ago, I think. The, uh, the, the last major legislation that went through was, I think, three years ago. And that three. was the one that sort of expanded upon what those licenses and the, the, the delineation between them was and whether or not a class one holder could also hold a brew pub. Yeah, the Josh Deeth law of yep, the revolution, the revolution yep, yep. kind of just went for it and the law cut up to him. Because uh, he, his, his idea was that there's no reason why you know, someone that owns a brew pub shouldn't be able to own a production facility as well. But up until that point, they could not transfer back and forth between uh, the locations uh, because one was considered a brew pub and one was considered a production brewery and all these other little things. But it also enabled him to open up a tap room. So he had essentially two places of retail uh, with which to sell product. One he could sell other people's beer to. Other, uh, other, the other one was not. It was purely just his. And to also add to that, you can also sell consumption for off-premise Right, so growler sales, yeah. to-go sales of yes. cases so and we, kegs. So we see the full so picture on. there. Yeah. Yes. 
And I think we all said, well, that makes sense, right? Yep, 100%. I don't think I, I don't remember hearing anybody complain about that. No. I think ABDI, so the uh, uh, Associated Beer Distributors of Illinois, I think they had a little bit of an issue with it because if I remember correctly, and, and somebody will have to correct me in the comments somewhere, uh, I think the original legislation had something about transferring a product. Don't worry, no one comments on this podcast. There's, there's nobody actually listening at it. Perfect. Even in this bar. Uh, <laughs> Anyway, so I think ABDI had an issue with transfer protocol, but uh, and that didn't go through the first time. So, right. but it did now. Right. So. And, uh, you know, and then there was the change where people like Revolution and mostly I think Half Acre, especially they were they were the prime example. Half Acre opened up a new giant production facility on top of their already production facility that had a taproom license, and they could not sell beer. Uh, made at one location, uh, they could not sell it at, at another location. Yeah, not I without going through distribution. What, well, I, no, not at all. I, I think at, this at was... the beginning, not at all. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, and then there was the change that allowed them to sell beer through a distributor, which is where everyone goes. Oh, it's still three tier system. It's going through a distributor. You know, whatever that means. They're just cutting the distributor in, but it enabled them to. Uh, have daisy cutter at the original location, even though it was all being made at the other location. Now, this law allowed uh, also the original Goose Island on Clybourne to finally change. Peace. Yes. I mean, when Goose Island was bought by Anheuser-Busch, they couldn't right. figure out a legal way for Anheuser-Busch to purchase the original brew pub on Clybourne. So they actually stayed in the hall's hands for a long time while they sorted out how to legally transfer that business to Anheuser-Busch. This kind of allowed them to do it in a more, you know, easy, promotional, profitable way by saying, well, you can turn it into a tap room, you'll lose your liquor and your wine, but at least you can buy 312 and all your flagship stuff, all your, all your Fulton Street stuff, you can buy it and serve it at the Fulton Street tap room, and they revamped it, reopened it, and boom, Anheuser-Busch has a, in my opinion, a Tide House, right? Yeah. Now, now they can bring uh, in Golden Road. They, well, <laughs> they can't because they're not included in this. Uh, so, you know, if they start brewing it at, at at Fulton, or if they start putting production in of other brands, I believe they can sell them. Yeah, I at their satellites. Yes. I guess you're probably right. Uh, yes. 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 It, um, but there is a there is a hundred twenty thousand barrel cutoff as far as being able to buy other people's guest beers. Yeah, but you can transfer up to nine hundred thirty thousand uh, gallons of it, which is I think I'd have to do the math. I think that's up to I think that's a hundred percent of production because isn't that nine hundred thirty thousand gallons is a hundred twenty thousand barrels, I believe, right? And uh, I yeah, okay. do the math, Gary. Uh, so anyway, so the idea is that you'd be able to transfer them all. So, uh, but this also extends how many tap rooms that they can now open too. What so, up to four, I believe, is the is, is what it can be. Uh, it's four now. I okay. believe so. Uh, yeah. And, and and can we just backtrack a little bit? I, I for people who don't understand the third tier model or why that may be important, 
if, if, if I'm not mistaken, and, and I'm sure you guys will, will be able to add on, layer on to this, but before Prohibition, there was no three-tiered model. Oh, yeah. And, and okay, a lot of so times... Yeah, yeah, think about it. You guys. So for those that don't know, three-tier yeah. system is basically, uh, it was enacted after Prohibition in order to put a middleman between purchasing. So you have uh, a retailer, somebody that brings the beer from the, the manufacturer, and the manufacturer. Uh, um, the idea being is to separate so that you don't have... You know, because like you had a lot of tied houses. Well, exactly. pretty much is monopoly law, yeah. right? Monopoly yep. law translated into the liquor industry. The only people that, are, that could afford to stay in business during the how long was pro- yeah. prohibition? Ten months, eleven months, ten years. Well, I was always over for seven you, months of those. You, so, yeah, it was. Yeah, it was Pat a long would have owned time. like a Schlitz bar back in those days, right? Like he it would have been. He's like, like a, Benjamin yeah. Button. He's just <laughs> aging the wrong way here. I'd have been a landlord at a Schlitz bar. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, yeah maybe. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so, you know, they, uh, the three-tiered system, it's hard. It's hard. It, there, it's been shot with so many holes that it doesn't really exist anymore. And the reason um, we're saying that this kind of supersedes... So you've got breweries now that, that basically are dabbling in all three tiers. So you've got breweries that produce beer, that also self-distribute, and also have a, a liquor license, a taproom license. Yeah, not to mention that some of them are open distilleries as well, which is, in the, you know... True. Yeah. yeah. Well, whole nother ball of wax. But yeah. um, so basically they're just kind of shooting enough holes in it that uh, if you're not dabbling in more than one of these tiers, you're at a serious disadvantage. And your average bar, restaurant, is really only only the third tier. Well, a- end of day, you're, the three tiers are start with, with federal level. And then your state level supersedes your federal. Then local supersedes your state. Right. So they're, they're, it's it's almost reverse engineering like that and we're we're seeing a shift on a on a statewide level at this point in Illinois. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's that other states are not happening. That's one of the failings of the, the, the three tier system is that uh, the, the at the at its basis it just made a separation and said, You guys all fucking deal with it. I mean, there's Each state is able to carve it, carve out its own rules it, and there's one state. On it. um, they, it's uh, it's in the south. They make steak called Texas. <laughs> and if you own a uh, what is it, Adam? If you own a um, a theme park for wildlife marine animals, you can skip three tier system. Well, guess who used to own the Sea World and AB AB Inbev. AB owns Sea World, so they could skip whole three three tier system and sell beer directly into Sea World in Texas. Yep, there's also certain states that have uh, exemptions for certain size breweries and so on from the from the system in which there are wholesalers that are 100% outright owned by large breweries. Yeah, so all of this stuff is you know accomplished through lobbying, right? Yep, and the Illinois Brewers Guild uh, is headed by a lobbyist, right? Uh, she's a former lobbyist, yeah. Uh, she, it sounds like she's still lobbying. Uh, and, you know, she knows how to get laws changed, uh, and, and, and she has. And, you know, and that's great for, for those she's representing. But I think they might be missing, you know, a, a, a few points here because there's a lot of breweries that aren't going to sell 90% of their product out of their tap room 
and um, there's a lot of breweries that aren't going to sell 90% of their beer out of their tap room. And let's yeah. go back to what Adam said earlier. There's a lot of folks that may not have their business model dialed in. And those breweries, if they have that influx of volume, well, guess what? They're not going to be able to supply tap rooms, local beer bars, local restaurants that, that carry their products as well as supply themselves that tap room, let alone the business aspects of that, of managing that. And yeah, the outside market, I think, is a really good point. And I think, Pat, that's what you were driving at here. Right. There's a lot of, uh, I'm hearing from a lot of breweries, well, maybe just one, but I'm hearing from people in the brewing industry like, look, things change, uh, you know, and you got to kind of roll with the punches and if you don't like what's going on, maybe you should open your own brewery, you know? Well, let me- or maybe you should lobby and uh, have things change in your favor and all this. And my, you know, what, what's, what's really rubbing me the wrong way is well, there's that, a lot of that one, yeah, I mean, I've been doing this a long time. And we used to kind of feel like we were all in this together because, you know, you're distributing the, their product. Yeah, yeah. and I'm, I'm on the front lines selling it, right? And I'm on the front lines changing people's attitude about beer and opening their minds to new flavors and all of that good stuff and making this whole craft beer revolution something that, you know, uh, has been sustainable and has kept going through the years. And I guess I feel a little bit of a uh, backstabbing when I hear someone say, well, that's just, you know, laws change, you know, you just better better roll with it. Well, uh, here, Pat, how about I, I ask you, I'd love to ask you this. All right. um, how long ago did you open this establishment? Uh, Patty's is 11 years old. 11 years old. 12 years ago, if you went out for a beer in the city of Chicago, name five places you would go to. Uh, Map Room, Hop Leaf, uh, Delilah's for beer. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, I know you went to Delilah's, but uh, that wasn't for beer at that point. But that was for whiskey. Uh, still for is. beer? <laughs> still is. Clark Street Ale House. Uh, and there's probably, yeah. you know, not many places. But, I mean, no, there, there were a couple of breweries on that radar at that point. But that wasn't, you would go to these established Chicago beer bars. Right. And, and I think a lot of folks... You know that that's where they started. That's where the foundation. Yeah, and, began. And, you know, and maybe the beer bar concept is dead. I mean, maybe it is. Bar concepts die all the time. You know, remember Irish pubs? You know, I, I do. Uh, Adam and I are. Uh, uh, you know. Adam and I are younger than you, so no, we don't. <laughs> <laughs> so you know, pub concepts come and go. Um, what concerns me is more. Um, the sustainability of the way this is trending. So if everyone has to make their own beer and we're already complaining that there's too many breweries, uh, where does that leave things, you know? Like if, if a brewery is telling me to go out and start my own brewery and then the next second going, man, there's too many fucking breweries, you know? Uh, where, you know, I, I feel like we're spiraling out of control here. I'll, I'll say this simply. I, I sell less beer than either of you gentlemen in front of me. Um, I don't know why anyone would drink beer in my establishments 
I drink beer in your establishment. Yeah, I do too. Uh, neither of you guys are allowed in my places. Well, they're my wife's places. Not we mine, know but. to go when you're not there. <laughs> yeah, and I'm never there, so it works. strong, strong answer. Um, no, but it's it just like why why go there when you can go across the street and have a pint for a dollar less of the of the. Well, the, there's another the issue that's so, happening with tap rooms. Yes, competition, and and I'll, I'll let you guys have the floor because I have a lot to say. But. Well, I'll just say very quickly that uh, uh, I think a brewery needs to make a choice. Am I going to forever sell 99% of my beer out of my tap room? And, and if you want to say yes, then you can price that shit any way you want because I'm never going to buy it, and you shouldn't care whether or not I'm going to buy it. But if you are a bigger brewery that is going to sell most of their beer uh, off-premise, you sure as shit better not undercut me by a fucking dollar. Have you seen you know? people doing that? It, 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 it's cleaned up a little bit, but yeah, it did happen. Yeah. It, it happened it with happened a couple places. Unintentionally, right? Like, yeah. I mean, I don't think they're thinking about it, and I get it because they're producing this beer for 10 cents a glass. But And, you know, they're also like, you know, there's also a consumer perception that, well, I'm at the source. I should be paying less. You know, even the consumer knows that there's a bunch of middlemen cut out on this deal, and they shouldn't be paying you know, the same price uh, at the brewery as they do at a bar. But, once again, do you want to be that brewery that is pissing everyone off and, uh, and, and you know, maybe getting a, a buying boycott on your beer? Or do you just want to charge the same as the rest of us? And I, you know, everyone has their operating cost. And those are not getting any cheaper. This is Chicago. The one thing we have are, are taxes that are always going to go up and and broken fucking streets. Um, we we love it. We love this city for those reasons and the weather. The weather here is great, by the way. Everyone moved to Chicago. The weather is great. Um, but you know, you have a brewery that opens up shop. They're they're paying you know salaries to these brewers, this that and the other. But if you have a beer bar or a beer focused restaurant. You're 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 paying management. You're paying back and front of house management. You you have more salaries to cover, more payroll to cover, and you know if if you're able to sell a pint of the exact same beer for a dollar less next door, that's that's tough to keep that on menu in the restaurant. Yeah, because yeah. why why would folks have a beer here for a dollar more than you have it? Fresh from the source, next door. I think a lot of this is geographical too. Uh, the destination doesn't necessarily exist anymore when you have so many other options. Uh, I was really, I was really thinking about this. Uh, I swing by a tap room pretty much every Monday on my way home once I'm done doing orders and checking in at the restaurants, and it's only because it is directly on my way there. Mm-hmm. That's the primary reason. And don't get me wrong, I love the people there. They're all friends of mine. I've known them since the brewery has, has since the, since the brewery's inception. Uh, I've I've sold their beer for many 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 years. Uh, I don't necessarily see them as a threat at all. They have a very st- strict concept and they do their thing, and it's great. But prior to them opening this tap room, I would swing to other places on my way home and bounce. You know, I would go to Hopleaf or I would go to. I don't know, bangers, or I'd go, you know, I'd go somewhere. Uh, and now, more often than not, I hit this place as a matter of geographical convenience. And ostensibly, I think that's a good thing. 
the more options you have in your neighborhood, that's that's how you generate business and uh, uh, foot traffic within a neighborhood, and all these things are good for neighborhoods. Um, the downside to it is that anybody that was a destination prior is no longer considered as such. No, no um, longer considered the destination. It, it doesn't matter if you are the destination or not. If you have so many it's, other options it's to in the mix. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you're still in the mix, but it's it's just you're you're no longer that first stop. You're no longer the first man. I got to get over there for a beer, and that 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 I think is is the most detrimental thing. And I mean. You know, we're all seeing it in all the in all the neighborhoods that have sort of sort of grown. I mean, we had a we had a brew pub sort of open up directly behind us down in the West Loop, uh, but there's also like 95 restaurants that opened up in a three block radius uh, since we opened 10 years ago. So you mean a tap room, not uh, a brew pub? Whatever. Uh, they have a brew system. They brewed apparently twice. Uh, <laughs> I was there. We're talking about Ballast Points. So, I, and I don't mind saying their name. I know you, you're, you're close to them. Um, I was they there. They just laid off a bunch of our friends, by the way. They did just yeah, have a giant layoff. Yeah, yeah. What was it, 60% of their high-end staffing or something like that? Uh, the math has not been released yet. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> so, so anyway, my point is, you know, I can't, I can't pinpoint them and say, you're the reason I'm selling, you know, less beer or whatever. Because no, there's, there's right, a lot of yeah. trends, trends at, at play. But I do think that the destination is no longer it. And I liked your point about uh, how pub concepts die and things change. I mean, that's, that, that is something that I think we all have to figure out. I think the taproom concept will die and change at some point. It There's might, so yeah. many. Yeah. Uh, it's the hot one right now, yeah. and uh, uh, things come and go. There's two more coming in, in Logan or whatever, Lincoln Square, some, wherever. Uh, and, and it's, you know, Middlebrow announced they were opening it and then Solomoth announced they were opening directly yeah. across the street. Logan. Fuck is that? Right. Like, well, you know. Like, I, ho- I hope they do like boomerangs across the street where it's like you can buy your buddy a pint across the street and yeah. then, you know what I mean? And get, you know, get something done for, for, cause that's how that, you know, I'm still, we're old school. All of us here at this table are old school when we think about the, the egalitarian feeling of rising tides raise all ships and that the beer industry has this beautiful sense of camaraderie and that you know the the restaurant industry sort of does too in a in a weird way in that we all share each other's employees and aches and pains and so on. Uh, it's just not that way, you know. Uh, and and it's it's yeah. going to be know, the bar painful. business has never been that way. Yeah, I always kind of envied the brewing business because like all the owners were like hanging out with each like other, Cuba, and yeah. talking yeah. to each other, and seemed to thoroughly like each other. And then like I'd go into a bar down the street, and the owner saw me you know he'd give me that look like what the fuck are you doing here you know like oh what are you trying to steal something what's going on you know i mean and that's just how we are we're we're a terrible bunch of people bar owners <laughs> really just a bunch of paranoid fucking assholes but it, you know it, here's the thing like competition is uh not something i spend a lot of time thinking about at the you know especially when it, if a bar you know if a bacon bar opens next door to patty long's here you might. Um, <laughs> Who would do such a thing? <laughs> I might, or I might be like, hey, maybe this is the bacon uh, uh, district. It's a desti- now. You know, then it becomes it, a destination. I wouldn't, th- yeah. you know, I would I, just I, be I, like, I, I would eat the bacon district. Bruce's bacon. Right, bacon. but but what I wouldn't do probably is buy their bacon and serve it at my bar. Right, I wouldn't do that. And a lot of these breweries are trying to get me to do that. They're trying to be like, hey, we're, you know. 
we're not competition. Well, we kind of are, but, you know, could you still just buy our beer so that we can bolster our pub that's comp competing with you? But, you know, that starts to kind of rub you the wrong way, I think. Yeah, because it's, I mean, it's, at the end of the day, it's taking dollars out of your pocket well, and putting them elsewhere. Right? I, I, right. Ju I just ran some simple math. Simple, easy peasy it math. It better be simple, Gary. <laughs> I am a simple Gary's a simple man. guy. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah, ah, yes. it. So, <laughs> if, um, if I lost, say, say that five places open per day, or I'm sorry, per year around me, uh, two people choose to go elsewhere per day instead of coming to me. Let's say they're going to drop $20 per day. That would be $1,400 per month. That's $70K per year that's not coming into my establishment. That's a, that's a yeah. person. So that's let's, an employee. Let, let's say that yeah. you're a mom and pop joint. That's $70K. You're, you're, yeah. That's your entire take home. And look, a, a lot of people would that's say, really well, that it's your and job that, to get them to come to your place. And, but that's only the saying one. 10 people per day right. at $20 a head. Right. That's not huge math. No, no. Yeah, and this, this is how all competition is. And people, you know, a lot of people would say, hey, tough shit. It's America. It's your job to get the people in. Open your you own know? restaurant. And, and they're <laughs> right. Yeah, open your own brewery. <laughs> you know, they would be right. But don't ask me to, you know, help you out with buying your fucking beer. I'm not doing it, you know? Not doing it. Sorry. So how how do you structure your list with all this? Like go like as you as you as we're looking at this law. I know that uh, Zach Rotello uh, you know, out at um out out in Rockford, out Rockford. <laughs> yeah. um, has been extraordinarily selective about who he's carrying nowadays because he feels that there's a lot of people that don't represent his interests. And 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 actually, just to jump back to the interests, I've seen like I spent a little bit of time in Wisconsin. I don't know if there's any Wisconsin listeners. If if you're there, woo. North of the cheese curtain. Uh, but, you know, they have a whole tavern league up there, which is specifically a, a, a band of bar owners uh, that ha that are, are lobbyists. They're, know, they're a lobbyist so wing. That so much has, nicer in Wisconsin, aren't they? No. They fought, they fought tooth and nail against every single small brewing thing that's, that, that's, uh, that's come apart. Sure. Because the head of, at least as of last year, the head of the uh, tavern league was also, I believe, a board member at Miller Coors or some bullshit like that. And, and so there's been a concerted effort to band all the bars together to keep the laws in their favor. And I didn't like that in the same way I don't like that the Illinois brewers are doing, I think, the same, the same thing. And there are quite a few brewers that, you know, you might see on the shelf that you're, you're a fairly big fan of uh, and not realize that they've chosen not to join the guild specifically because they don't feel like they uh, address the issues of the market properly. Yeah, if I was a brew pub, I'd be pretty pissed off at my guild right now. Yeah. because They got nothing out of this deal. Mm -hmm, yeah. And, uh, you know, they're adhering... These brew pubs are adhering to everything that we are. You know, they're in the same boat as, you know, they have to have proper zoning. You know, here, here's another thing people don't realize is a brewery um, is not, you know, subject to the same zoning laws as a bar. I can, open a, I can open a brewery for less than I can open a brew pub. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You certainly can. Yeah, the startup costs are less. And you can open up in a manufacturing district where a bar is not allowed. Now, zoning is there for a reason. It's because in a manufacturing district, district you've got a bunch of people manufacturing things. And uh, 
you know, not restaurants and bars and, you know, not even people living there. Uh, so suddenly you've got breweries opening essentially bars and uh, you've got a whole new nightlife going on in a district that was specifically zoned not to have such a thing. And you have an advantage as this brewery in the manufacturing zone because you're not going to have any competition from a regular bar or restaurant because they're not allowed to open there. It's, it's almost like you have a bar located one right next to one of these areas. <laughs> I do. And fr- <laughs> frankly, I do oh. quite well with the tap rooms over in, in the PMD zone. Yeah. I don't have any problems with them. And, what is and, the and, PMD zone? Uh, the PMD is the... Uh, it's a manufacturing district that extends right by uh, Girl and the Goat. And, um, it's like West, it, it, West Town, I think I've heard. West Town and uh, Goose Island is there. Um, a few wow. other breweries uh, on tour. Just wanted to clarify that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah so yeah, once, once a certain... Uh, li- once a certain liquor moratorium oh, got lowered on a lot area, a lot of tap rooms opened quickly nearby... That's true. That's now a brewing corridor, right? There's yeah. like ah, now it's four, four tap corridor. rooms. Yes, four four tap rooms. I think in 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 walking. Yes, distance. it would make sense to maybe open a publican right there amongst all of that. But guess what? You're not allowed. Or a taco shop. Or a taco <laughs> shop. Yes. God damn, I love tacos. Or a giant beer garden. Beer gardens actually aren't allowed in that zone either. No, even not. if you're a tap room. <laughs> uh, but you know, it, you like to it, do it. <laughs> it's just. Um, it, it, I don't know. It's all, if breweries, you know, I think if we all realized that breweries really secretly wanted to be bar owners, we maybe would have gone about this all a little bit differently. And I understand they're having problems too because they, uh, being just a production brewery right now is a nightmare Mm -hmm. because it's so hard to get a tap handled, so hard to get shelf space. And um, for a lot of them, this tap room is keeping them alive. And I, I sympathize with that, and uh, I, I want them to have their tap room. But to say, well, we need to sell cider because gluten-free people are coming. Well, guess what, man? I, you know, you're a brewery tap room. Maybe a gluten-free person shouldn't go visit a brewery, you know? I, I, I think there's an example of them going, well, I, I want to hold all the customers. I, I, you know, I want to service everyone, not just people who are coming who are interested in my beer. I want to. I want to have something for everyone. So the argument is that they're 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 willfully expanding their customer pool in order to draw from uh, other areas of either from other traditional or businesses. Yeah. Or, yeah, yeah. I you know I, I I would I would actually disagree with that. I think that I think oh man I don't want to say this. Uh, I think say it say it <laughs> say it. From what I've heard, uh, part of it was a was a was a man. This sucks. Uh, Part of it was a gender thing. The idea of, you know, there's still a very traditional gender role normalcy that people associate with breweries and tap rooms. And uh, part of it was gluten free. Part of it was, you know, bring. You know, you've got your neck beard coming in to buy your beer. You know, but you're not getting the ladies to come in. Maybe the girlfriend will drink a cider. Maybe she'll drink a cider. Which is just it. It irritates the piss out of me. That's terrible. That's sexist. And I I don't know much about. (laughs) <laughs> but, but that's sexist. And, I, and I'm not saying that's the primary motivation. And, and, and again, this was sort of like a drunken off-the-cuff thing from somebody. But, but I mean... it. Albie, can I get a Pilsner or Kell, please? Ooh, yeah, we, I'll take can we order too. beers? Thanks, Reload for right. the band. I, I'll do a Pilsner or Kell, too, please. Uh, but, Three, it looks like four. 
I don't I don't think that it's necessarily a bad thing that they can sell cider. I think that's that's fine, especially remember this whole and and just to backtrack a little bit, this whole uh, business about selling other people's beer came about from a very from from very good intentions. Very good intention. I, which I was that a small a small brewery w- did a collaboration with another small brewery and was under the impression they'd be able to sell it and then they were not able to. So they were not able to share in the revenue or the love of, of or, or that that. But know, how on comfort. earth would they not? Would they know? Like, how would you not? Most know of these the guys laws? don't know how to be businesses, dude. Like that, I, that's it. Like, I mean, most I, of these people could have are figuring told out the laws as be, we are. One at a time. But that goes back to what we said 30, 40 minutes ago about understanding the business model, understanding your target demographic, yeah, and and look also at, knowing how to make consistent product. And if that's all it is, it's like. Well, we just want to be able to, every once in a while, serve a collaboration beer we made with some brewery. Yeah. Is that really worth changing the law to so, allow... I don't know. Here's, my, my point on this was that cider is not statutorily defined, though. So, and, and in Illinois, cider is defined as wine. Right, so do, you could have somebody that's well-funded, that has a taproom license, that can now bring in cider, that would bring in wine, uh, because I don't believe it says anything about re- non-resident dealers in the law. In the law, I'm not sure if they, if they I will know, be my, they can bring in wine and then argue that. My impression well, that was that it was going to include wine yeah. uh, when I heard about this a few months ago, but I've been assured it's only cider. I don't know how they differentiated that. Right. If it's not statutorily defined, all it takes is somebody that has a well-funded, yeah. you know, enough pockets to pay for a lawyer and be like, "Well, fuck it, challenge me." Right. Go ahead. Uh, the, uh, yeah. Here's the other thing. So, when you casually change laws. Um, <laughs> which is, I mean, I love I, the way you casually said that. <laughs> but I feel like this is a casual change. Like, oh, you know, I'd like to, I'd like to serve collaborations. Let's change the law. You have to kind of look at it like, what's the worst case scenario? Because people are unscrupulous, and they don't care what your intention is. You know, what's the old saying? The road to ruin was paved in With good, good intentions, intentions, right? Yeah. You know, they don't give a fuck what your intention was. They are going to get their lawyers to look at that and be able to exploit it every which way they can. So you have to look at it and go, what is the worst case scenario thing that could happen here? And I, I came up with one t- earlier today that I'm going to share with you. Uh, what if, you know, I said, I'm going to buy, uh, you know, a space in a PMD zoning or some kind of, you know, zoning not, you know, uh, uh, where a bar wouldn't be allowed. I'm going to get myself a brewer's license with my homebrew kit. Uh, you know, I'm going to set up my homebrew kit and have the, you know, the guys come in, give me my brewer's license, and then my taproom license. I'm going to make about 10 gallons of really shitty beer a week. And then I'm going to have 20 taps of guest taps, you know, and basically be running a bar in an area where maybe a bar isn't allowed. And uh, my whole brewing... Uh, thing will be a complete sham, right? And I'm not saying anyone's gonna yeah. do that, but someone's keep, gonna do keep that. Keep talking. Adam and I are taking notes. Uh, We're gonna open up shop next week. Uh, <laughs> I know. I almost know <laughs> someone's gonna do it. Right. Uh, yes. Bruce's what? bacon. I'll give you another. What are the rest of your notes? On I'll, this? I'll give you another scenario uh, in which a area that has struggled slightly uh, economically and uh, with with public perception uh, spends a lot of uh, taxpayer money to revitalize a theater 
uh, and that's next to an L track to bring in a consumer base and bids out the space that could be a restaurant or a bar or something similar to get people into. Congress. And it ends up becoming a brew pub uh, that was opened with no brewing system and has been purchasing its beer through the three-tier system from its main brewery, which has a, I don't remember if it's a class one or a class two, but has only been purchasing from them that way. And now with this law in effect, can now continue to do that and offer other people's beer and, and cider. Oh, this is Jolly and Pumpkin. It's not. It is. No, it's, is, it, right? it's not. No? No, no I'm talking about somebody completely else. But, uh, but you're not going to say who? I'll, I'll keep guessing. You can keep guessing, but, but, but my point is that this is already a reality. It is. It is essentially a tied house. Are we back to Ballast Point? It's not Ballast Point. <laughs> no, it's 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 up north. It's uh, it's yeah. It's, yeah, uh, it's it in my old neighborhood. We'll I put can't it think of it. Uh, but yeah, so it's so it's 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 empirical. Empirical. There we go. Okay. Oh, okay. All and right. and right. they've not. You know, they they opened that in June. I believe June of 2017. There's been no brewing. Oh, um, they went into the old uh, Morse. Yeah, Morse yeah, Theater. Yeah. Morse Theater, yeah. Uh, yeah main yeah, stage yeah, okay. or whatever. And yes. so that could have been a revenue-generating restaurant for any number of things. And, and, and I'm really glad that, some, that that area is being revitalized. I, you know, Rogers Park is near and dear to my heart. I lived there for seven years. I'd really like to move back. So if anybody sees any houses that are, you know, decently affordable, let me know. Uh, and, and to see that effectively, be, effectively become a tied house rather than a brew pub, as promised, is that that really bothers me. Not not just it's not it's not the beer. Their beer's fine. You know they have good brewers. They're nice people. Like none of that bothers me. But the fact that it's taking away an opportunity as an end run around the way that everything's set up bothers me. I, I just I want to say this. How how so so far? Just a quick recap. We've seen so many shifts as far as uh, the legal side, of course. Uh, we've seen the shifts as far as, um, goodness gracious, the business side, the target demographic, everything. We've seen all these shifts over the past decade. That's kind of our window, right? Yes. And, you know, over the last, over the last year, we've seen more shifts that have affected, whether it be positive or negative, various businesses I think it's mainly on negative towards the mom and pop businesses that don't have the the legislation to be able to fucking st- hold their own against it. Um, I see a lot of amazing opportunities there for a lot of great folks, and I don't know where where are we going tomorrow? Yeah, you know, yeah, like getting in the weed a, business. I think. Yeah, yeah. Actually, that's a that's a great segue. Tired of um, the, fuck I, this <laughs> shit. Getting in the weed. <laughs> It's Let's just we can open up our own brewery. Uh, no, no, no. We'll just open up our own brewery. Yeah, we're using we'll Pat's it, business we'll call model. Three hundred sixty. We're gonna we're gonna have a five barrel system. We're constantly moving around with the industry. But we're not getting the three hundred six, not three sixty five. Three hundred sixty. Yeah, yeah. Because it's you know we're like the stop, term. Yeah. It's really cool. short. It's like that. That's what we do. I no. think I think playing devil's advocate. A lot of people are gonna say, you know, who cares? Like, you yes. know. Right? I mean... Nobody cares. Nobody understands what you we're talking about know. because it doesn't affect the consumer yet. Guess what? And this when it does, going to, then it'll change. And it okay. may never. I don't know. You know what? It's, it's, it's affecting the sales folks on the ground. Good example happened a year ago with... 
Fuck, here I go. With InBev laying off a lot of people. <laughs> That's it true. They, they killed their entire high-end it uh, happened sales team. Again, today yeah. with Constellation laying off a lot of people. And well, I, I, think, oh, I think that all has more to do well, with the buying oh, of the, you know, the big but, boys but buying over the Over the, over the past brewers. two months, we've seen so many layoffs in Chicago market alone for sales reps. And that trend's going to continue because in a day, Pat, Adam, myself, we don't have more cooler space. It's not like we can buy any more beer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's I nowhere mean, for this liquid to go. It's also that, you know, consumer preference has changed. I mean, cocktails are super hot right now. Pet yeah. mats, super yeah. hot right yeah. now. Yeah, Adam, they you are know, super wine, duper hot. Yeah. Wines are pretty hot right now. Beer has and trended flat super. or down overall. Yeah, well, that's and true. I think yeah. there's a constriction over that. I think there's an oversaturation in many different but points. When, yeah, well, so, when, you know, everyone is grasping for straws here, yes. not just beer well, bars, when, but when you, also when you, when you breweries. See, and, when you, know. you see breweries that have invested you know, $50 million plus into new facilities and they're pulling sales reps out of markets or shutting them down and like Green Flash did, shutting down their tap room and laying off Smutty those Nose. Salesforce, Salesforce yep. selling their equipment. Going to friggin' auction. We yep. should have bought Smutty Nose. Ba- Bader Brow. Caught Patrick Bader Brow. Bader Brow. Yep. Bader Brow was here local. That was actually pretty unfortunate because they it yeah. seemed like they actually kind of got their shit together but, brewing-wise and the beer was actually But end of day, if, if, you yeah. can't, if you can't put a sales rep in Chicago, which is one of the hottest markets... In the United States, and this, of course, we have we yeah, have yeah, but it's a weird we market. Import, it is a weird market. We're, we're, they deal they deal with us. Of course, it's weird. Well, that's yeah, but, that's a given. That's another. But, but you know what I mean. If if they can't afford to keep a sales rep in this market, then how is that business model sustainable? Because we've got to be, and I don't have the math behind this, Adam or Patrick. Maybe you do. We've got to be. I mean, we. I know we have more commercial real estate than any other city in the U.S. That, of course, includes the Goose Barrel Warehouse as well as Lagunitas. Are you talking specifically of breweries, like the most commercial where, like space yeah. allocated yeah. to breweries? Yes. I'm not talking about most breweries per capita, okay. which, which would also encompass you know, okay. the 10-barrel guy at a garage. We're four or five or something like yeah, that. Yeah, but, but we, don't, we have a lot of the guys that have a five-barrel system in their garage yeah. that has a microbrew license, but... Right. I think Cranes did come out and well, say now he's, that. Uh, now that, that guy's got 12 guest taps, and I'm hanging out in that garage. <laughs> so finally that, got some good beer. That's the next Cranes. episode of Easy. Yeah. On, find it on Netflix. <laughs> oh, we should go. We should just get a get a, one of those casual brew buses and go check that out. Ooh, that's a that's a business model that no, hasn't no, been exploited yet. Is the traveling. Oh, yeah, brewery. we're just gonna no, we're gonna go check walking, out the, the garage guys, microbrew systems. Walking tours are better. Uh, oh the, yeah, strong. <laughs> <Good call. laughs> the uh, but uh, but no, but I, that kind of brings the next another point, which is a cliched question at this point, but it, it goes into is the bubble bursting, eh? um, yeah. which is. Uh, which, you know, and I'm curious on your thoughts. We kind of have already talked some numbers. You I actually want to step back to a question I asked Pat uh, sure. that didn't get answered. That Pat, I this think question will is lead for you. into this, sure. which is, you know, based yeah. on all this, how are you buying now? And, and I think that leads into is the bubble bur- bursting? Like, how many more breweries can we sustain? How many more are you interested in buying from? And if so, you know, why? Uh, yeah, zero, right? I mean, pretty much. Um, it, 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 I mean, it still happens, but it's very rare that like a new brewery comes in, blows my mind, and I'm buying their beer. 
so you know, um, to yeah, add, zero. To, to add to that, also, I, I, I've got sorry. a thousand breweries that I want to buy beer from that I haven't already, right? And and also, breweries are making amazing beer and bring it bring it to us every week. Yeah, and it's not just, just it's bringing not a enough. new bringing a new brewery. It's bringing a new skew. It's like where do we put it? Yeah, it's enough. Right? How do we? Our, our menus can only fit so many levels of lines. Yeah. And I'm getting older, so, so I, I mean, need a larger I, font. I have no problem saying the bubble has burst and is deflating as we speak. You think we're declining as as we're watching it? Like this well, is. I, I think we've. I think we have enough. Yes. When I. Too many. When I I'll go back to what I said a minute ago. When I see the top breweries in the United States, see several of the top 50 breweries in the U.S., and granted, everyone's opinion is different. When I see them retreating from the market, pulling sales reps out of market, saying, hey, we cannot sell beer in Chicago, and they're going to focus their efforts in other regions that have not been strategically, you know, Carpet bombed. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, the restaurant business is the same way. You know, restaurant bubbles just happen uh, very quickly, right? And uh, Chicago had a bubble last year, and it popped, and we lost a bunch of, uh, in my opinion, good restaurants because there were too many good lost restaurants. Lost a lot of amazing restaurants. Yeah, the yeah. restaurant business has uh, it, it, it bounces. You know, it, it it pops and blows up again in a constant one or two year cycle as opposed to the brewing business that I feel is on some sort of a 10-year cycle. Uh, and, and we're, you know, it, I, I think it's bursting right now. Do you, um, there was just a report I read, I think within the last week or so, that Anheuser-Busch is now... Oh, the in, number one craft yeah, beer? Yeah, like, which, cra- yeah. yeah. yeah and yeah, so, yeah. like, you know, I always kind of, I, I think everybody who saw these acquisitions taking place thought that they would push their craft brands that they purchased as craft brands um, and hope to scoop up that market share. I think it's pretty I, obvious I don't, I don't think they need to scoop that market share. I think that they already had they had placement 30 years ago in accounts that have been buying the same freaking beers from the same freaking reps for 30 years. Nothing wrong with that. You can say that, fucking on this. I was going to say, yeah. I didn't know what he was referring to. <laughs> I don't know what that word is. Uh, Vav eat a dick. Nice. My kids I'm are back. at home. I, you can say fucking. Um, no, I, I think that, that that's one of the things. That's also one of the reasons why Constellation said, hey, we don't need these reps. Uh-huh. We need the old school reps to do what they fucking used to do. We need to educate them about modern things and then put them in play in the accounts they've had for 20-plus years. Same thing applies with InBev accounts and Anheuser Bush, whatever you want to call it. You go in there to an account you've been talking to for 30 years, that's your friend and family you're selling something to. You walk in the front door and you say, hey, I need you to pick this skew up. They're going to pick it up. That's the old AB mentality of don't make sales, make friends. Yeah. I, I think any headline saying Anheuser-Busch is the largest craft brewer uh, is proof that the word craft is yeah, dead. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I, I, I think, I, I, I think we can stop using quotes. the word craft now. <laughs> I, I, still, I still firmly, I'm, I'm entrenched in what craft and artisanal and all that bullshit means, specifically uh, because Jonathan Surratt uh, of Beer Moping uh, and I, probably nine years ago, a beerinator, actually defined it. 
and that is, and this is no slight to any of our marketing people, friends, but when a brewery hires their first marketing employee that is there for the marketing job and not for the beer, they cease to be a craft brewery. And I still think that that holds true to this day. It's something that I've always sort of joked about, but I, I really do feel like that's the case. Um, and I think that I kind of agree. I think we've sort of reached the apex of where we're going to go. I mean, we're going to have more openings, but we're going to have more closings, and I think we're going to see a decline over the next five to twelve years. Uh, but what I do, what I do think is really interesting. Sorry, I'm distracted by Ron. Uh, yeah. what, what I do, what I do think is 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 really interesting is that I think a lot of the craft guys have had to, you know, pull up pull up their suspenders and learn how to play in the big world uh, in a way that we haven't seen either. I mean, some of our craftiest wholesalers here in Chicago now have something like 70 suppliers, 80 suppliers in some cases. And so a small brewery or a decently still considered craft or artisanal brewery or you know whatever the fuck you want to call it uh, is seeing no growth or maybe some growth but it's all usually on one skew, and it's almost like, and I, and I was talking to somebody at Brewery about this today, it's almost like that, you know, when you have a portfolio that wide and diverse, you pick one beer from that brewery and you sell that. And and that's an old that's an old school tactic when it comes to wholesaling. It is, yeah. Um, you know, you 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 pick dial whatever in. your incentive. Yeah, you dial in. You pick in what pick your whatever your like, incentive yeah. is, or you pick in whatever your target is, uh, or you know, right beer, right account it, and then you go and hope for incremental sales on all the other SKUs from that brewery. But what it ends up doing is it you take breweries that are doing all these cool innovative things and suddenly have to make the same fucking thing that might not be necessarily what they're best at. And that's where I think you get into problems uh, when it comes to quality and, and retention of customer and so on. Um, you know, and that, that sort of goes back to the, the chasing trends ideal, but I also think it's, um, it's, what, it's what people are selling. I, you know, because we're we're ta- you know we're we're not tastemakers. Maybe well, maybe we're tastemakers. I don't know. But but we, we we what we definitely have is an understanding of of how to deal with a sales rep in that eighty percent of the other market uh, the other points of distribution do not. They don't give a shit. They're like, cool. What's going to sell today? Well, this is our hot one. Great. I'll buy one case of that. And that's all you really need if you're going to hit six thousand points of distribution to get things done. Uh, that's my rant. We're we're also at the point where. If someone walks in the front door and says, "Hey, here's here's my three offerings. This is what I'm bringing to market. You know, we're we're putting our game forward in this market. This, that, and the other. Um, I appreciate that. That's nice. Instead of walking in and saying, "Here's my little 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 of skews. Like I don't, I don't, I don't. What what the fuck you just walk in the door with? I just, I just dial it in." Yeah. Um, do, do you guys ever feel that good beer will become ubiquitous? That it will just be so all over? It already is. I mean, and that's already sort of playing itself it out in the next run of consumers. Yeah. You know, the, the kids that are that are out there now, and I say kids, you know, being Gen Z or whatever. Oh, yeah, yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, so my I'm customers there. coming up, and, and, I'm, and, I, and I would really love to hear uh, Pat's uh, take on this, being 10 years my senior in the industry. Um, you know, whatever the the, the kids that, that were like that were buying beer from me, you know, when I was when I was starting, you know, back at Binnie's in you know 2010 and 2011 and all that, you know, it seems like their younger siblings 
grew up with that beer. Like, I grew up with drinking yeah, right. Red Dog and Yingling, you know? So, of course, I went to craft beer. But if you grew up and your older brother was drinking, you know, uh, Antihero or whatever the whole time, what the fuck do you care about Antihero? Well, it's, already, it's already in your brain. It's already, it already exists. It's not even your older brother. It's your dad. Or, okay. You know? Christ. Like, your yeah, dad, so so you grew you up go. and your dad had a, had a fridge full oh. of craft beer. I think a lot oh. of us experience our dads having a fridge full of, you know, Olympia gold or whatever. Um, yeah. You know, it's it's different now. Uh, I mean, it, you're right. It's it's ubiquitous. These kids don't know a world without craft beer. Um, and, you know, it, that also uh, goes to a lot of this, um, you know, a lot of these layoffs that, that took place, right? So Ballast Point laying off uh, their, their supposed craft Constellation as a whole, not Ballast Con- Point. Sorry, yeah. that was their whole, their whole, whole Constellation, whatever they're called, right? Over. You know, I think they're looking at it like uh, all salesmen should be selling craft because every place sells craft. I don't care if you're TGI Fridays or Patty Longs, you have really you know great craft beer on tap. And are, why why do we have separate salesmen selling a place, you know, Miller Lite? And then another guy coming in and trying to sell uh, whatever Miller Lite's craft beer is. <laughs> is it Blue Moon? I don't know. There's anyway, a bunch. There's, yeah. there's, so, they're just more quiet. Right. Well, we can't separate these things anymore. The rep in Wrigleyville needs to be able to sell Miller Lite uh, just as well as he can sell uh, Firestone Walker or any of those other brands. So those are no longer separate people. A beer salesman is now selling and, all beer. And do those people know the difference between an ale and a lager? A lot more than they used to, you know. Yeah. I mean, I, they, I'll tell do, you, man. But I, do they need to, to move the volume in those accounts? Uh, I don't know. I'm not in that, that end of the business. But I'll tell you, man, th- there were years and years where I spent my whole buying day educating my salesman. So Patrick, how many and not, years? I, I don't go through Same. as much of that anymore. like two decades here? Or are we talking about like ten years? I don't no, I, 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 let's not get into specific years, Gary. <laughs> okay, but I, I, you got I, 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 I don't do that anymore. You know, it's, has anybody made these a guys come in? Beer yet? What's that? A Metamucil beer. Has anybody made that? They've thrown like, like somebody we was throwing it, chicken and waffles in the recently. We can do it in our garage, our ten barrel system. This then is we'll a good idea. Of, we'll have all like draft a high, beers. A high fiber maybe, beer. Maybe add some prunes. The beer pen prune juice. Oh, in there. prune yeah. beer. Yeah, 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 dry yeah, hops. Yeah. It'll be that'll go down well and out well. And Vav and I will make money on our draft. Why what do you say? Uh, Ari's here from Maplewood. He'll make a Metamucil collaboration beer with me, right? <laughs> Ari. Those fuckers will put anything in beer. As long as we don't dry hop it, right, Ari? <laughs> yeah, let's do it. Clean out some colons. All right, what, all right. what do we got? What do we got? Question. All right, so we we have some audience questions here. Oh, great! Uh, that that uh, I'll, I'll I'll kind of raise a few of them before we kind of wrap up for tonight. Um, the first one says, "What's Bruce's favorite sex positions?" Uh, and the answer is missionary in the dark. Uh, yes. So the next one, I can confirm that. <laughs> The next one is in 10 years, uh, which is 2028. Thanks for being specific. Uh, how many breweries do you predict still will exist in Chicago? Uh, to put, I looked it up today. There's 73 right now. In the city, but there's, yep. there's 200 and something in the surrounding, yep. all the whatever. Like, specifically in the city? 
We're at what seventy eight. Let's go. Let's go with the total number because okay, it's, total regional you know, number. We're I all think buying from suburban breweries, uh, right? According Some of us are. <laughs> I am the hop. The hop <laughs> review. I think it, it, it was uh, like two hundred six or somewhere two sixteen. Can we? Right. Uh, yeah. Uh, for so, the sake of simple, brevity, can simple, we say two hundred six is our baseline? Yeah. Simple yeah. math, right now, guys. To open a brewery in Chicago, you're paying thirteen dollars per barrel in city taxes. Yeah. You have a brewery like Buckle Down. You're just outside the city limits. You're not paying that. That's thirteen dollars. That's five more. That's six and a half dollars. Per keg of beer. There's that math. Oh man, we didn't even get into the tax cut, did we? Yeah. Yeah. Let's, so let's if you, next, you next cross out right, the sea limit, let's just go over under. We got some questions. I'm we gonna go with up. 170. There's you're, my so number. you're going you under. Can, yeah, you you're can going take under. mine 170. Gary, you think over over under where we're at now in 10 years? Where are we at now, Vev? 206. I said 170. We're at 206. Yeah. Just pick a number. 75. Thank you. Wow. That's a, that's a strong under. <laughs> I'm, I'm betting on this bubble. Uh, I'm definitely going under. I'm going to say... Nobody took the over. That's really, that's really all I'm you need to know. I'm taking no the over. No one took the over. I'm, I'm, I'm going to say 500. Wow. Nice. Well, you're, yep. you're betting a lot of money on people paying a lot of Chicago taxes. That's going to be a lot of Nanober. Those, those taxes are just the per barrel taxation. That's not city of Chicago. That's a totally separate taxation. Well, now, wait a minute. I think I, I, I'm changing my number because I think Bruce is right. Because, uh, you know, I think you're going to have to be a, brew, a brewery to survive, maybe. Uh, you know, I think we're going to have a lot of tiny Real breweries. too expensive. It's going to be a lot of tap rooms. They nope. keep keep moving these laws that tap way. Tap you're still paying that tax dollar. Nope. Well, you're, you're not getting away Still from the Still need tax. a number. I'm going to be a restaurant in L.A. because I'm going to say uh, 300. Great. All right. So okay. 170, 300. No. Uh, I'm sorry. 170, 75, <laughs> 300, 500. Yeah. Cool. Right. And, and somebody, in 10 years, I'm going to say. I'm saying the bubble is done. I'm going to say 500 dispensaries in 10, 10 years. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I'm <laughs> oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. yeah. All right. Okay, another... I think that's Crowder Potheads. Pat Burger's Beeswax! (laughs) Put that on your lips. (laughs) Burger's Reserve. Uh, uh, Bourbon Barrel Age Burger. Next question. What do you guys think the next trend in craft beer is? Oh, fuck off. Uh, (laughs) Make an actual clean, delicious pale ale. Oh, I God, I hope the, so. Uh, you know what? I'm going to hitch my, uh, my car to that uh, horse. I, I, I hope that's true. Because just, we, we already did. We went from <laughs> IPA to the double everything. IPA to the triple IPA. And then we're like, fuck this. And then we went back down to the session IPA, hazy IPA. All of this stuff, it just all stems from I mean, hell, Goza and Saison's came back. Yeah. And then... I, Everyone got I think Metamucil IPA is the next trend. <laughs> well, because the only people that drink a, drink a beer are going to need that in ten years. No, uh, all right, no, seriously, I'll go with uh, I'll go with. Um, I guess I'm going to go with saison because I think saison's the. Well, I think it's nebulous as a style. I think you can do whatever you want with it. But I also think that the table beer thing that happened last year was really good for beer overall. Uh, it got people exploring higher fermentation uh, flavors and aromas, uh, things like 
you know, pepper in your beer and, and, and all these other things. And, and it's such a versatile uh, overall style that you can, you can dry hop it, you can make it sour, you can barrel age it. And, and I think that uh, basic farmhouse style, I think, is I, far, is, I think that's really a good thing. With, with what I do with restaurant-focused things, I mean, I put beers on menu that wash down food, reset the palate. I don't do high gravity. I don't do crazy funky. If I want some awesome fucking beer, I'm gonna go go up to freaking publican and drink an awesome beer. Yeah, um, you fucking freaking publican. <laughs> hey, I, the man's got damn good beers on menu. <laughs> but I, I think saison in a, in a food focused environment is the most food friendly style. With the exception of just a clean pale ale. Right. Well, I can't wait to see it how Americans fuck up that side. I'm sure it'll be oh, fun. They yeah, already have. They've no, already, they, we've already been through this. That's the we fun got thing. The, uh, we got the hoppy Saisons. Double, double okay. imperial glittered Saison. The Belgians are doing <laughs> it See you next now. year. You, come on. You, you know you got sold dry hopped Saison uh, upon in the past two years. That was literally the year prior's vintage. Like, we all did. It's all true. Yeah. Yes, I admit it. it that be, that's because the Remember boat Pupper broke down. Beer? It was I pretty do. good too. Next, yeah. Question, yeah. next question. What, what, we got? Next, what we got? Next question is why is kombucha a thing? <laughs> uh, people, why is religion a thing? Just because everybody likes it doesn't mean it's a good idea. <laughs> I have no answer for this, but that shit flies at Kaiser Tiger. Wait, the kombucha? Com- yeah, the kombucha beer flies. I won't care. I yet. think uh, people. Uh, I I don't know exactly what it is. Doesn't the, uh, isn't there a mushroom or something that grows? It's a fungus. <laughs> it's a fungus that eats sugars in a different way. Uh, it it has a lot of lactobacillus and uh, and things like that. It's part of the. Or it it adds lactic acid and so it's it's you know which is kind of cool like a Berliner Weiss. It's low alcohol. This it's goes- quenching and. Refreshing and the so one on, we sell is real high alcohol. It's is it a, really? Yeah, it's a it, killer. It can't be above like one and a half. The, uh, we do the it's collective arts. Where's Kelly? She loves it. Oh, oh you got collective arts. From, shit. I don't buy from their wholesaler. So oh, oh <laughs> beer opinions. Beer opinions. Uh, <laughs> Learn how to handle keg deposits. Uh, is anyway. it like uh, Activia? It's uh, good for your tummy. Like um, Jamie. You know what? I've Jamie heard, Lee Curtis I've heard that drinks it. Lacto in general is good for the stomach. That's why yogurt's so good for it. Right, so right. I don't know. Maybe maybe that's it. Uh, I don't know. Kombucha's Activia. weird. It's not my thing. So I blame Whole Foods. It's a strong blend. <laughs> Next question. Right, right. Strong blend. Well, what I else think, we got? Um, uh, you know, so I think uh, I think that that runs out of most of the. The good questions. I mean, you guys are great. All good questions. Well, now I, I want to hear the it, bad questions because you said that there were some bad ones. Okay. Um, or implied what's, it. What's the, uh, what are your thoughts on the explosion of rosé? A lot of uh, kind of non-beer uh, So I just want to say that Gary and I are basically responsible for that. Uh, great taste. <laughs> yeah, I'll, uh, I'll blame. Thanks, fellas. You're welcome. Rosé all day. Uh, Rosé is great. Uh, pet gnats are great. They're funky. They're weird. They're bringing people to a comfort level with uh, the flavors of fermentation uh, and just naked, straight-up fermentation in a way that uh, wine drinkers haven't really seen. And I think that's really beneficial for the beer world. Yeah. Uh, um, it's a wine question. It tastes great in the shower or while taking a shit. <laughs> yeah. Adding, rose, <laughs> adding rose to the name of anything does help too, right? It does. I mean, yeah. that's Point the big rose. trend in cider yeah. right now is, is making botanical ciders that either use a hibiscus or currant or whatever uh, to make a rose cider. But, uh, you know, I, I like Last it. Last year I was think, cider for me. Yeah. I can't do cider anymore. Need to purge. Yeah, nice. 
Okay, um, okay, guys, I think that's it for tonight. Um, I want to thank everybody for coming out tonight. Thank you, uh, live audience. All right. Thank you, everybody. I think uh, Pat's buying everybody an alert shot after uh, this, uh, I think. <laughs> You've been such a great audience. Uh, Malort's for everyone. Uh, <laughs> um, and, they don't uh, look happy. They don't I look think, happy. I think it's uh, shameless plug time. Oh, yeah, we do, uh, do, we do so, need to do quick, quick shameless plugs. Yep. Um, oh, Ron is handing me a Hustle More card. So, yeah, shameless plug for Ron. Uh, hustle more. He's our pro great producer. Our producer. Ron. Thank Ron you, Ron Colson. Ron Colson. Nice yeah. job. Yeah. If you uh, want to get all of the stuff that I don't understand uh, in uh, pu publicizing your business, Hustle More is the way to go. Yeah, marketing, podcasts, flux capacitors, they do it all. Gary, what do you got going on? <laughs> I'm just going to... Uh, Adam, what? I got some things. Let him go. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I'm back on the road uh, Friday morning. I fly to New York. I fly back Friday night. I fly out Sunday morning for L.A. I fly back Monday. On no one the cares. What are you pitching? <laughs> He's doing a lot of flying. My love for you. What are your, I, will, I will say people don't realize that you can sneak into the bar at Little Goat Diner, and there is an incredible array of goat. wonderful beers. You can't sneak into the it's, bar, it's girl. Really well goat. <laughs> can is. you? Can I sneak into the bar, girl and the goat? I... Oh, you can. You're fucking seven foot of man. <laughs> 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 this is getting weird. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, but you can sneak into the into the little goat diner. Go right up to that bar, and there's a beautiful beer selection. I will say that. It's really Thank well you. balanced too. There's always an IPA. There's always a Pilsner. There's always um, something it's always, yeah, a little it's all funky. There for it's, it's, good, you, it's a good. I always go to Kaiser Tiger before <laughs> I get my kid from daycare. That's true. It's I'm it always is true. like oh god. <laughs> <laughs> Hope it's an understanding daycare. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Adam, what is happening with uh, you professionally? What what do you want to promote? Uh, professionally. Oh I sure, mean, personally too. Well, I, I, I don't know. I mean. <laughs> Oh, we're promoting. I'm, I'm opening a restaurant in L.A. That's that helps. Yeah, oh, go. well, you could have mentioned that, that Gary. Yeah, that, Too late. A, we're moved yeah, on to Adam. 555 Mateo Drive in the Arch fucking Sorry, district. Sorry, your plug's over. 9,500 square feet. Um, <laughs> With a pool on the roof. I can't wait to <laughs> really? throw really? in L.A. side of that yeah. place. Was, oh, yeah. sweet. Um, is that the next live podcast? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> oh. Publicans' tenth anniversary. I think, that's a, I think that's a beer opinions exclusive. I don't, I don't know. I, I don't know if I have floaties big enough for Patrick. Wait. So actually, that's a good idea. We'll fly us all out to LA, and we'll do this at the opening. I'll put that on Donnie's tab. Yeah, yes. let's do that. Perfect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Donnie's. Yeah, no, we'll put it on yours. It's good publicity. Just explain to him how there's like 15 <laughs> listeners and what great I publicity will <laughs> be. Uh, Publican's 10th anniversary is in October, so oh, we'll be doing. Yeah. We'll be doing uh, a whole bunch of stuff, uh, events, special tappings, collaboration beers will be going on tap then, and I've got a bunch of really fun shit coming over from Belgium, uh, specifically to tap for this. Uh, and then uh, also, I'm selling my record collection, uh, so if anybody wants to buy really weird vinyl uh, at decent prices, uh, get a hold of me. No, all right. I have a clicker to the garage in front of his cooler also, so if you want to taste the beers when he's not available, let me know, <laughs> and I'll build a little mini draft system. We'll set it up in the basement. He'll I'm be real be pleased about this. I'm going to be changing the locks tomorrow, so I will not be around. <laughs> <I'm the cl> <laughs> Pat, what do you got? 
Uh, I am going to mention uh, Oktoberfest at Patty Long's. We're at Patty Long's right now. Every year we turn this pseudo-Irish bar into a pseudo-German bar. And we have Oktoberfest with a Polish polka band. It's a real... Uh, uh, Real diversity, diverse uh, ethnic, uh, well, as long as you're white, I guess. Uh, but, you know, Polish, German, Irish, it's all happening. We'll have a bunch of uh, Oktoberfest beers, Big Al. It will be on the uh, accordion. I think it's September 22nd. It's a Saturday. We do it every year. That's the 11th annual, and it is a lot of fun. Boots, leaders, pretzels, brats, you name it. Brats? Like brats. small children like, or yeah, like they, brats? Or like, well, my, my, like the, my brats like the, will be there. Like the little uh, you're, you're, you know, you're welcome to bring yours. I'll bring Ernie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, bring Ernie. Awesome. Ernie's not a brat. He's He flicked me off child. the first time I met him. I think, I, I think that <laughs> yeah, he, yeah, he, Well, he is Gary. <laughs> very true. First time I two-year-old met him, he flipped him with the fuck off. <laughs> yeah, He's like, fuck you. Cool. <laughs> Great. I'm like, that's my boy. Bruce, what is happening with you, my friend? Oh, uh, man, just beer touring it up, you know? it's uh, We're in the heart of the busy season here, and just uh, drinking beer, learning about Chicago history. All three tours are fully operational, rocking and rolling, trying to enjoy the rest of summer. Fantastic. Love yeah. it. Yeah. All right. Well, I want to thank everybody again, the amazing, beautiful studio yeah. audience. Yeah, thank you guys for coming out. Really oh, appreciate my God. it. All right. So wonderful. Our amazing... Our amazing guests, Gary Valentine yeah, and Adam Fabric. Thank, thank you, gentlemen. Yeah, hey. And uh, uh, we will see the, uh, hear you. You'll hear us the next time on the next Beer Opinions podcast, and maybe we'll do a live one again, or maybe this is a complete disaster. We'll decide tomorrow. See you from L.A. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Woo-hoo.